Before we get started with the word this morning, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the message this morning. Lord, I know it is one that uh, is going to lift you high. And Lord, I pray it lifts you high, not just in this church, but throughout the city, in this county, in this area, and around the world. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to ear, ears to hear what it is you're saying this morning. That we would have eyes to see what it is you want to show us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last few weeks, uh, we have been focusing on the series, What's Your Story? What's Your Story? You've heard testimonies from the Bible. We went into Nicodemus. We went to Paul. You heard, testimony, you heard my testimony. You heard Jenny's testimony. Um, the main message of this series is that each one of us has a story to tell. Amen? Each one of us has a testimony of God's goodness. Each one of us has a unique message of hope that has the potential to reach those around you. You see, my story may be effective in reaching certain types or groups of people, right? But it may not reach everybody. And then Jenny Russell, she shared her story, and Jenny's story might be able to reach people that my story would never reach, right? And maybe your story reaches people that my story and Jenny's story doesn't reach. Different experiences. That's the power of evangelism. Say evangelism. Did you know what it means to evangelize? It means to spread the gospel. The main theme of all of our testimonies is this. Jesus saves. Amen? That should be the main theme of our testimony. I was lost, but now I'm found. It's by His grace that I have freedom. It's because of His freedom that I am free. Amen? Those are the main messages. How we share that message then gets put into a different category. Because while it's vital, and I mean vital, it is vital that the message stays the same. The methods are interchangeable. The methods are interchangeable. They can change over and over and over. My pastor used to say this. I like this. He said, it's like fishing. When one, one bait doesn't work, use another. How many have ever been fishing? Nobody's ever been fishing? What's going on? How many have been fishing? Come on. Oh, look, all of a sudden everybody was gone fishing. That's fantastic. Right? And if you use one bait and it doesn't work over and over, you don't just keep throwing it in the water, do you? I mean, some people do because all they're out there to do is throw it in the water and see how it goes, right? But if you're really trying to catch fish, if one bait doesn't work, you use another. And if that one doesn't work, you use another. You use a bobber, you use a popper, you use a worm, you use a fish, you use all sorts of these different things to try to catch bigger and bigger fish, right? So my pastor would say this, if, if uh, one bait doesn't work, use another. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, I want to talk to you about evangelism, sharing the gospel, sharing your faith. Before we jump into it, Steve, uh, we want to take a look at one man's approach to sharing the gospel. Uh, Cindy, could you turn the lights off for me? All right, perfect. Here we go. Oh, boy. You can go ahead and shut that off there. How many know there are good ways and bad ways to share our faith, right? There are some bad ways. There are different methods of sharing the gospel. I know, are you a Christian? More again, more again. I know, how many know someone like that, right? I know, I know people like that. Some, some, in some good ways and in some bad ways. This morning, I want to take a look at seven common evangelism methods. Dr. John Rothra, 
uh, commented on seven common evangelism methods. I want to take a look at each one. Go to the next slide there, Steve. First, lifestyle evangelism. What is lifestyle evangelism? Lifestyle evangelism means this. Live right, and people will see the gospel in your life. If you just live right, people will see the gospel in your life. If you live right, then people will eventually ask you about God. Someone once said this. I like this. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Right? That's what we call lifestyle evangelism. There are some strengths to it. It encourages righteous living. It's, it encourages self-evaluation, right? It helps, one, helps you live your life according to the gospel. If you're focused on lifestyle evangelism and, and just, I want to be the best Christian I can be, that, 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 that's a good thing. But there are some weaknesses to it. First of all, it's not biblical evangelism. The weaknesses to it is it's not biblical evangelism. You say, Pastor David, why is it not biblical evangelism? Uh, simple and often, uh, here's the thing. It employs a highly passive approach. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to, I don't have to make anyone uncomfortable. I don't have to proclaim anything. I don't have to, I don't have to do all that. I, I just want to be the best Christian I can be. Right? And eventually somebody will see that and, and ask me about Jesus. No, that's not usually how it works. But that's one aspect of evangelism, lifestyle evangelism. Go to the next slide. We'll go to the next one. Number two, servant evangelism. Servant evangelism. Servant evangelism would, would be simple. It's simple acts of kindness. How many of you know someone who just loves to serve? I do. There's people who just love to serve. So it emphasizes acts of kindness, service, and, and they do it for evangelism. And so there's, there's certain strengths and weaknesses to this as well. The first is this strength. It emphasizes showing love as a way to open doors to evangelism. Right? So we're, we serve people, and then when we're serving people, say, hey, can, can I talk to you about Christ? Right? That's a, that's a good thing. That's, that's good evangelism, right? Uh, it, so it provides opportunities for that. It's simple. It's simple. What, what does it mean to serve? What does it mean to serve anybody? What would be something to, how, how can you serve others? Bobby, how can you serve? Like what? Gary, hold her to it. Right there. Jonathan, how do you serve? Fixing things for people. Thank you again. Hallelujah. Mikey, how do you serve? That's good. Serving your spouse. That's a good thing, right? Peg, how do you serve? Absolutely. Absolutely. It creates opportunities in your life to share the gospel. Those are good things. There are some weaknesses. What are the weaknesses? People can improperly believe that their service alone is evangelism. That their service alone is evangelism. Well, as long as I serve. And so there's people that will serve, 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 and never proclaim. There's people that will serve, 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 but never declare that Christ is Lord in their life. Serving may be emphasized while evangelism is de-emphasized. 
Number three, event evangelism. I, we like this one, right? We like trunk or treats. We like concerts. We like outreaches. We like how many, how many, we talk about revivals and we're, oh, we're having a revival. And, and so we, we, we have camp meeting. We have all those good things. Those are, listen, these are good. It generates name identification. It's okay. This church is doing this outreach. They love the Lord. And man, hopefully, you know, man, well, let's, let's bring them in, right? We do event evangelism. Large crowds increases the opportunity to share the gospel. And so it's evangelistic in its nature. The weaknesses are this. Most of the people that show up already go to church. Most of the people that show up are already Christians. Most Christians don't come to evangelize. They come to attend. Right? And so when we think about evangelism and what it is, it becomes an event rather than a regular daily activity. And I want to encourage you this morning that evangelism in your life, evangelism in the life of a Christian, should be about a normal, as normal thing as possible in your life. You say, Pastor David, what do you mean? Are you saying that these things are bad? No, no, I'm not saying that these things are bad. I'm saying there are strengths, but then there are also weaknesses. And so we, we use those strengths. We thank God for those strengths. But we acknowledge the weaknesses and go, okay, in what other ways can we reach people? Number four, door to door. I want to implement a new program here at Calvary Gospel Assembly. Directly after the service, two by two, we're all going to start going door to door in this neighborhood. And we're going to annoy people for Jesus. Right? Come on. That's, listen, that's door to door ministry, right? There are some strengths. I mean, it's self explanatory. You go door to door, right? Uh, strengths. It's great for personal contact. It really is. It's easy to start, right? It doesn't cost anything. You just go up to a door. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons have been using this method for years. Too much effectiveness. You say, well, there's an interesting thing about Mormonism. Uh, I can't remember exactly where I heard the statistic, but the, uh, them trying to reach people door to door, they're assigned neighborhoods. So you go, you go to this neighborhood, and they're assigned that neighborhood. Their goal is to get everyone in that neighborhood. Knock on their door, talk to them about Mormonism, and try to get them to come to the church with them. That's their goal. Jehovah's Witnesses, you better do it or you're not, you're not right with God anyway. That's their goal. Weaknesses is this. It's door-to-door. How many have ever done door-to-door ministry? Yeah, some. I've done it, right, Tim? That's the worst. Oh, come on. It's the worst. Are you kidding me? That's why there's such low participation. We don't have participation from Christians going door-to-door. It's the worst. Why? Because people slam their door, the door in your face. Are you kidding me? Oh, ding-dong, answer the door. Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. You guys know the movie, right? <laughs> Clint Eastwood? No, anyway. Get off my lawn. It's door-to-door. Listen, it's, there's low effectiveness. There's low effectiveness. There's bad perception from the public. You see someone come to your door with another person next to them, and they're holding a Bible in their hands. like, oh, no. Shut the lights off. Lock the door. Everybody get down. Turn the TV off. We're not home. Now, I like to invite those people in. But that's me. <laughs> okay. 
That's not ever. I like to invite them in and have discussion. That's just me. Uh, door-to-door evangelism, it's usually portrayed in a negative way. Right? Fifth, fifth one, street preaching. How many, how many ever been on street preaching before? You've gone to a big city. You've gone, and gone to the street. That's on a corner at a festival or during a parade. The strength is, our, strength is this. It gets people's attention, right? It can lead to maybe some one-on-one time, right? Weaknesses is this. Most people ignore it. Some people become hostile. Most people ignore it. Some people become hostile. Settle down, Sue. Number six, gospel tracts. How many ever, uh, this, is, this is kind of an old school one. Uh, how many ever gave out gospel tracts? I, I did. I, was, I used to do all the time. Uh, gospel tracts, in case you don't know, they're little booklets. They look like little Christian comic books, right? And so we would collect them. We, we wouldn't even give them out. We would collect them. We're like, yeah, we got, a, we got this edition and stuff like that. We were, you know, geeky Christian kids. So uh, we, we, we grab. I'm, I'm serious. So we, we'd get the latest edition of the gospel chick track or whatever it was. And man, this is so cool. This is so, yeah, it wasn't that cool. I don't know why we thought it was. But the purpose of gospel tracks was to share the gospel wherever you go. That you could leave it anywhere. That it could, you could leave it. How many? I've, I've gone into Burger Kings. I've gone to use the restroom in Burger King, and all of a sudden there's a gospel track right there. If I wanted to read it using the restroom, hallelujah, right? It's right there, ready for me. So using gospel tracts for those things, it's simple. They can be left anywhere. There's a wide variety of them, right? So that's always a good thing. Now, I will say this about gospel tracts. Uh, we used to have, uh, how, many, how many remember that you had a gospel tract that looked like a $20 bill? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just a prank waiting to happen. So we would take those to video game places and, like, put them under a machine and just with, like, the $20 bill sticking out. And uh, people who we, we, we wait there and people who walk by and see and they go, oh, my gosh, $20. And they'd look. And they'd bend down. And they'd pick it up. And then they'd see it was a track. And they'd get so mad. And they'd crumple it up, and they'd throw it in the trash or whatever. This, that's not effective evangelism, right? So in some ways, it can be effective if someone wants to take the time to read the gospel track. Uh, in other ways, it can be ineffective. The other thing is this. It avoids personal connection. It avoids personal connection. Then there's this, uh, number seven, relational evangelism. This isn't so much lifestyle evangelism as it is relational. It's personal evangelism. Strengths with this is it can occur anytime, anywhere, with pretty much anybody, right? It doesn't require schedules. It only requires willingness. Relational evangelism can be done by anyone. The biggest strength is this. It's the method used regularly by Jesus and his disciples. Relational evangelism, it involves going out and sharing. It involves being with people and sharing your faith. The weaknesses is this. It can be really intimidating to some people. 
How many know it can be really intimidating to some people to share their faith? When we think about evangelism, what else might come to mind? So these are seven reasons. These are, these are seven methods, and some are more effective than others, right? But there's a truth this morning that you need to know, and it's this. Jesus wants you to share his message. Jesus wants you to be evangelistic in your life. Can somebody say amen? Jesus wants you to share the gospel. He says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We know, go into the world, all the world, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to every creature. These are the words of Jesus to the disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Proclaim the word. Jesus gives us direction to go and proclaim. Go and preach. We as believers in Christ are called to share our faith with those around us. My question is simply this, why don't we? Why don't we? We're called to share the story of Jesus and how he's moved in our life, right? One pastor I know would say this. He said, listen, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are commanded to evangelize. We're commanded to share the gospel with people. Listen, there are other commands as well. And you know eventually we're going to get into them. Uh, but we can, can we agree as believers that Jesus wants us to share our faith? Can we agree on that as believers that Jesus wants us to share our faith with those around us? How many of you remember the song when you were a kid? I was, when I was a kid, we used to sing this song. Got, it had to do with letting our light shine, right? And so we'd go, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? John, you know the words? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Then we go, hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Thank you. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Listen, I know it's just a kid song, but there's so much truth there. Right? How much truth is there that we are not supposed to let our light be, be hidden but to shine for all to see? The thing is this, too many of us are hiding our light instead of letting it shine. Too many of us are hiding our light instead of letting it shine. And listen, I know that there are people in this very room who uh, share their faith and they share it proudly. But many, many believers, people who call themselves followers of Christ, don't respond with evangelism. They don't proclaim, they just, they just, I just want to be the best Christian I can be and just keep my head down and keep myself to myself and I don't want to bother them, right? So many Christians do this. There's a man named Ray Comfort, he's a famous evangelist, and he preached a message entitled this, evangelism is as exciting as a root canal. Evangelism is as exciting as a root canal. He says this, I'd rather be home with my wife. I'd rather be watching a movie on television than, 
than involved in the annoying, irritating, irksome, tiresome task of evangelism. Because to those that are in the world, you and I are the ultimate wet blanket on their pleasures, and so the world is going to reject us. So the world is going to reject us. There was a, is there real young kids in here? No, that's good. Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, when I was in sales in, this was in, oh, Indiana. Uh, a guy in our work was having a birthday, birthday party. <coughs> and uh, one of the guys came up to me and said, hey, do you want to come? We're going to celebrate with him at lunchtime. And I said, okay. He said, yeah, we're going to go to the strip club and celebrate with him at lunchtime. And I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Come on. I said, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't know why you do. You're supposed to be a Christian too, by the way. This this guy that's telling me is this. So, oh, whatever. We're just going to have fun. So he goes. He comes back back after lunch, and he comes to me, and I said, hey, did you have a good time? He goes, oh, yeah, I did. I said, you did? He goes, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I said, did, did you get a dance? Did you have a woman there dancing? Oh, yeah. I said, and did you enjoy it? He said, oh, yeah. I said, let me ask you a question. When she was dancing for you, did you ask her if it was her dad or her uncle that molested her? He goes, what do you mean? I said, you realize 80 to 90% of workers in the sex industry have been molested by a family member. That's not a statistic from Christian resources. That's from their own resources. He goes, what? I said, yeah. If you think about that as your daughter or your niece or your spouse, he goes, man, why do you always got to do that? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you always got to ruin my fun. People don't like to be told truth. Wherever you go, people don't like to hear truth unless it suits what they're currently going through. When, it, when it's a wet blanket on society, people are going to reject you. How many have ever experienced somebody rejecting them for sharing the gospel? I have. Have you not experienced this? I have. It's a per- Listen, and here's what people will say. Hey, listen, that's a personal thing. It's, we don't talk about faith or politics, right? Don't talk about faith and politics. That's a personal thing. We don't want to get involved with their stuff. Just keep it to yourself. Just do good things for good people. Just have the bake sale. Do the wash cars. Listen, let people know that we love them as Christians. We just love you. Right? And that's what people, that's how people associate with Christianity. Just somebody just, I just love you no matter what. Listen, there's, a, there's an aspect of truth that, we, yes, we love people. We want people to know that we love them. But listen, if we are not sharing the gospel of Jesus with them, we are telling them clearly that we don't love them enough. If we are not sharing our faith with those around us, we might tell people we love them, but clearly we don't love them enough. You say, Pastor David, what if they reject me? I remember last week we talked about the conversion of of Saul. He became the Apostle Paul. This isn't in my notes. This is a little bit extra. But Acts 26 
he goes before King Agrippa. And he's sharing his testimony. He's sharing his testimony, and, and he's, he's, uh, he's sharing about his conversion story. And he tells all of this to King Agrippa, and Agrippa hears it, and he says these words, some of the most devastating words in all of the New Testament. It's this, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. You almost persuade me. Paul's testimony is so full of fire and fervor and and power that he starts to reach through to this cold heart of Agrippa. But Agrippa denies him and rejects him. And doesn't just reject him, rejects Christ. He says, you almost persuade me. Listen, when you share your faith, there are people who will reject you. There are people that you will almost persuade. We have to do what God commands us to do, and then let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? We're responsible for sharing. We're not always responsible for the results. What happens if they reject us? They're going to reject you. The truth is, listen, how many know that I don't believe I'm out of bounds in saying this? The attitude and stance of most people who call themselves Christians is that evangelism is boring. It's boring. It's irksome. It's tiresome. It's wearisome. We don't want to do it. We just want to keep to ourselves. The truth is, yes, sharing our faith with people can be wearisome. It can be a bothersome task, right? Because there's times where you are rejected. There's times where you are mocked. There's times where you are persecuted for your faith. I remember being a young Christian in high school. Um, Better way to say this, I was in high school, and people knew me as a young Christian. Um, But so many times when I was in high school, I didn't act as if I was a Christian. I believe uh, it was the summer of my sophomore year. I was at home. My mother was in her room reading the newspaper when she yelled for me to come in there. She said, David, did you know that Darren was in a car accident? Uh, Darren was a boy that I grew up with. We were in grade school together, and we were in uh, Cub Scouts together. We grew up in Cub Scouts in, in grade school, and I saw him pretty much every day. And in fact, I would have... Uh, probably considered him somewhat of a friend. Not a close friend, but a friend. See, that summer, Darren uh, was in a car accident with his girlfriend. His girlfriend survived, but Darren was killed. And I remember hearing that Darren had died, and I could hardly believe it. He was my age. He was 16 years old. He was in my classes Him and I weren't close, but we talked on occasion. And then the thought hit me. I never, ever told him about Jesus. Not one time did I ever tell him about Jesus. And in fact, I was racked with sorrow. I mean, just sorrow just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was racked at the thought of Darren in eternity. 
I went to youth group uh, at the church that night and and that week and 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 I in front of the youth group I went up and, and I just I, I I wept and I looked at them and I said listen I feel like his blood is on my hands why didn't I share Christ with him what stopped me from sharing my faith was it embarrassment was it the fear of ridicule Was it the fear of being mocked? The thought bothered me and bothered me. Because there's so many times that we don't share our faith with someone because, well, you know, that's their business. That's their business. That's their business. That's between them and God. Let's leave it to there. There's so many times we don't share our faith because we're embarrassed. Because we don't want to bother someone. Charles Spurgeon said this, we must school and train ourselves to deal personally with the unconverted. We must not excuse ourselves, but force ourselves. Say force. Somebody say force this morning. We must not excuse ourselves, but we must force ourselves. Must force ourselves to the irksome task of evangelism until it doesn't become tiresome, but it becomes easy. Now, listen, it's... I mean, you know, there's some people, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Listen, are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you? Do you? Come on. Come on. Tell me. Do you know him? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Take that holy handshake, brother. All right? There's people like that. Do you know Jesus, Don? Do you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. People in your face. Do you know Jesus? Get born again. Get right or get left. Yeah. Here's the other one. Turn or burn. Turn or burn. Repent, sinners. I mean, you know, there's people like that, right? That's a lot of like street evangelism sometimes is what you see. Listen, here's the thing. Scripture says go into all the world. Jesus said go into all the world, preach the gospel. Scripture also says this. Preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. That lets you know the two seasons that you're supposed to be preaching the word. In season and out of season. That means all the time. I mean, you know, there's times that you're in season, times that you're out of season. The Bible says to be preaching the word in season, be ready in season, out of season. So why don't you share your faith? What is holding you back? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 10 says this. 10 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I like how the message says this. It's no light thing to know 
that will all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. I'm convinced the reason many people don't share their faith is found in this. They don't know the fear of the Lord. They don't know the fear of the Lord. How can people who call themselves believers that have faith in Christ, claim salvation in Christ, claim redemption in Christ, but they never share their faith with those around them? How can that be? How can you be a follower of Christ or call yourself a a follower of Christ and yet continually ignore his commands in your life, including go and preach? And listen, here, I'm not advocating for you to go crazy, right? I'm not advocating for you to, hey, have you gotten saved? Hey, you born again? Hey, turn or burn, right? That's That's not what I'm advertising here. That's not what I'm advocating for here. But I would challenge you to examine your life and say, when was the last time I shared with anybody about my faith? When was the last time I shared with anybody close to me about what Jesus has done in my life? It's like a fireman that doesn't put out fires. It's like a policeman who doesn't respond to calls. It's like a farmer who doesn't farm, doesn't plant the seed, doesn't take a crop, still calls himself a farmer. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Listen, so many times we miss out. I I love in the New Testament modern church, we, we focus on grace and redemption and mercy and hallelujah, and those are all great, good, holy, awesome things. But sometimes we miss out on the fear and holiness of God. Sometimes we miss out on the judgment seat of Christ. Sometimes we miss out on the fact that at some point we are going to be held responsible for what we have done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, this is, by the way, you should know, this is not Old Testament. This is New Testament, right? This isn't fire and brimstone. This is New Testament living. How many know street evangelism in Esterville doesn't work too well? Come on. You're going to evangelize the cows that are going across the street sometimes, right? It, it doesn't work that well. We have a festival. Sometimes, who knows, maybe. Street evangelism doesn't always work that well. I don't know that would be an effective use of our time. What I am saying is this. I believe that God is calling us to step outside of our comfort zones. Pastor David, I have such a hard time talking to people. I get that. I get that. I'm not telling you to go door to door. I'm not telling you to be in the event. I'm not telling you to to do one method or the other, but I'm saying find a method to share the message in your life. Whether it be relational, lifestyle. Listen, don't let us be passive in our faith, but let us be 
aggressive in sharing the truth with people. The message is simple. This is my story. I was lost in my sin. Jesus saved me. He rescued me. His grace covers me. Let me share this with you. Let me share this with you. And we share it with passion and with fervor and with faith. I want to challenge you this week to step out in faith. Simply step out in faith. And I know it's not always easy. Listen, for some people, I had a, I can't remember this kid's name for the life of me, but a kid I went to high school with, I had to give a speech in front of a class. And I've just always been fine with public speaking. It's never been a big deal for me. And so I preached, or actually, it was funny. I gave this essay in front of class. And at the end of the essay, I kind of like shared the gospel in public school in Michigan. And the teacher didn't know it was coming, but she had to deal with it afterwards. So, uh, this kid came up to me and he said, how do you do that? I said, what do you mean? He goes, how do you talk to people? I said, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, look, how do you go up and talk to people? I said, what do you mean? He goes, every time I try to talk to people, I just got a knot in my stomach. It's the worst. You know, public speaking is the number one fear of the majority of people. There's an old joke. The number two fear is death. Number two. That means if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than given the eulogy. That's the joke. That's Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not taking credit for it. It's just a very funny one. Public speaking is people's number one fear. So, you, so the thought of going up to someone and talking to them about Jesus and talking to them about Christ and their faith and their story and their testimony, it just puts a knot in people. And so you don't do it because you don't do it not because you don't love the Lord or love his word or love what he's done in your life. You do, and you and you and, and you do. I mean, really, you do, but it's just because, man, it's it just ties me up with anxiety. It stops me in my tracks, it paralyzes me. And so maybe that method doesn't work best for you. But a method does. Whatever method you find that works with your personality, keep in mind that at some point, I know it may make you out, step outside your comfort zone. I know it may give you a little bit of a, a knots and butterflies inside. But at some point, we can't just be passive in our faith. We have to proclaim the gospel. We have to share our testimony. We have to share what Christ has done in our lives. If you would, stand with me this morning. Whatever method you find best, whatever method fits with your personality, I want to encourage you this morning to step outside of your comfort zone. How many know we can't afford to sit on the sidelines anymore? Amen? Can somebody say amen? Come on. Jesus wants us to take the field this morning. Amen? Come on. I used to have a sign on the, the not in this church, but the church that I grew up in, as you, as you were leaving the church, uh, there's a sign over the door that said, you are now entering the mission field. You are now entering the mission field. Jesus wants you on the field. He wants you playing. Don't just be satisfied with sitting on sidelines because we will be held account at the judgment seat of Christ. You say, Pastor David, isn't, I mean, 
I feel like you're kind of pushing me towards it. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. As Paul was directing the Corinthian church, get out there. Paul was directed the Corinthian church, get out there. Listen, you will be held account for what you do and don't do. It wasn't manipulation. It wasn't persuasion. It was, listen, here's the urgency that we have. People are dying without knowing Jesus, and it seems as if we just don't care enough. It seems as if we love them, but only so much. We love them, but not enough to tell them truth. Because we don't want to bother them. We don't want to bother them. Jesus is calling us to take the field, go into all the world, and preach. And somebody say amen. Amen. If you bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you so much for the calling that we have as Christians. Not just to go and, and proclaim the gospel. Uh, another, and I want to say it's Matthew, Jesus says, go and make disciples. We didn't get into that. We'll get into that soon here. But it, go and preach. Go and proclaim. Lord, we thank you for the message. Jesus saves. I was lost, but now I'm found. His grace covers me. It covers you. So, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not doing what it is you've called us to do. Give us strength and courage and desire to share what it is you've done in our lives with those around us. Find a method that works for each person. Whatever fits their personality, Lord, that, that would cause them to be able to share their faith with those around them. Lord, I thank you and praise you for your mercy and grace in our lives. I thank you that even though we might not be on track, we can jump on track. That even though we might be, have been sitting on the sidelines, we can, we, we can play the game. We can say, put us in, coach. We want to take the field. Lord, I pray over each person here this morning. I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.